0: welcome to the innovate ct podcast i am extremely excited to uh, have the opportunity to interview david salinas who i think the word visionary is the first word that pops to mind when i when i met david but i'm gonna i'm gonna share with you what his his linkedin status says and then david i'm gonna let you introduce yourself to the listeners and Maybe, maybe you can pick apart what your LinkedIn status says. So it says I'm building a community, an ecosystem. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, economic developer, and dad, Connecticut, 40 under 40. So why don't you, uh, share a little bit with us, what, what all that means?
1: Uh, well, I think the dad part's easy, right? I have a family, I have a daughter, I have a son on the way and, uh, that's that's the simple one. Um, the community that I'm building, uh, I truly believe that the concept of community is not truly truly lived, truly lived by. Um, everyone believes in community in a different way. So when I say I'm building a community, uh, I, I see it in the most grandest sense. I see it as this really large amazing uh diverse group across the state of connecticut and then i see it as these microcosms throughout um throughout connecticut throughout the towns and the cities throughout uh district our project Within district there there's just, it's just everywhere um, so i take that word very very seriously uh the ecosystem is specifically re- talk- talking to, uh, to district, I think at the, at, at the most important scale, which is just a, uh, it, taking real estate, looking at real estate and thinking about it like a, like an, or like a, a, a an organ, a bunch of organisms in a full ecosystem that help each other thrive. Um, which comes from, My experience in economic development, which really started in first getting involved in the Chamber of Commerce in New Haven, Connecticut, at the Greater New Haven Chamber of Commerce, and ultimately coming up with and helping to build the young professional group, which was helping them and the region figure out a way to create a little bit of stickiness for young people under 40 years old, to stay in the area, to engage, uh, to, to, to seek value, to, to deliver value, and so on and so forth, which then led me to my second stint in economic development, which was uh, as a board member of the Economic Development Corporation, uh, which was really a private organization uh, that's mission was to uh, work on economic development issues in the city of New Haven. Where I served for a number of years and got to have a true understanding of people's wants, needs, desires around their city. And what was interesting is that some of the people in the room weren't from directly from New Haven and viewed New Haven as a bigger as something bigger. And then ultimately, another another organization called Rex Development, which was a regional economic development. Uh, organization merged into the EDC and became a a, a much more regional uh, uh, concept and again, just being in that room, seeing all those things uh, led me down the path of of wanting to be wanting to do uh, investment, wanting to do my work, wanting to invest in uh, projects that would lead to uh, better economic outcomes for Uh, the the region we live in and for me the region is is uh everything it's new Haven. It's new haven county it's the state of connecticut it's it's every single person
0: within its borders so i'm going to pause there because i obviously you know asked you a lot to to kind of unpack for us but it's interesting what you didn't what you didn't really touch on was was how you got started and i want to i want to take everyone back in time a little bit and way back, way, way back. Right? right. I want to go way back Just let's, let's do where it. You started your original company. That's been extremely successful digital surgeons, which has led to, I, I think, you know, providing you the ability to do all these other interesting things like economic development, like starting the district, right. Um, being an investor, et cetera. So what is digital surgeons and how did that get started? And how did that lead you eventually to the district? well, that's a good question. And, and you're right. In a
1: sense, I'm an entrepreneur then in, that became an investor and an economic developer that's building a community and ecosystem. So it actually is the, the, the creation story. Um, Digital surgeons started in uh, 2000 and two, late 2006 and it was start. it was, I was, I was a co-founder it Was myself and my uh, co-founder, Peter Senna. And it was really just two guys in their, in their mid, early, mid and mid twenties that had a, uh, a concept that if we could bring multiple disciplines within the digital space together with a superior level of design uh, and strategy that we could, uh, that we could build a, a business, build a, uh, a business around that. And it started off in some simple areas in terms of search and uh, uh, search engine optimization, search engine marketing, web design, development, branding, and then evolved into uh, what we call a, a design consultancy. Um, we sort of coined the phrase of designing demand. Um, interesting story we started it with about $5000 and basically just reinvested every single penny that we made uh from the very beginning and bootstrapped the absolute hell out of the business for for forever and and continued to to build up on the business and and build our client base and build our portfolio and our case studies uh and the level of client we we were working with up over the last 11, 11, years under, uh, under my, uh, leadership as the CEO. And, um, and then I stepped down about a
0: year ago. And when, when, when you, and, and I, I know you, you came to Connecticut for college. So you, 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 went to uh university of Bridgeport. Was your intent when you came to Connecticut to stay in New Haven, build a business and eventually become in my in my opinion, one of the visionaries of the state is, is that how this this whole plan was was going to happen, or was your intent to come to Connecticut, go to college, and go back home?
1: Uh, definitely wasn't in the plan to stay in Connecticut, build businesses, nothing. I mean, it really Connecticut happened on a whim. Actually, uh, my brother happened to be going. To my brother had just finished undergraduate in New York, and asked me to take a ride to Connecticut with him so that he could sign up. He could do some paperwork at the University of Bridgeport because he was going to the to the School of Chiropractic there. And uh, I at the, at the time I didn't even know where Connecticut was. I didn't know how far it was. I didn't know how long the drive would be. I actually asked him where the hell is Connecticut, and uh, which doesn't say much for my geography skills. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I took a ride with him and I think that I was at a point in my life where New York was, wasn't appealing anymore. I wanted to see beyond that. And I had been lucky enough to just travel around some of the, some of the States in Virginia and Florida and go to some other countries before, before this point. So I knew that there was more to the world than New York city and, uh, I just, I was, I think I was just ready to go. I think I was just ready to leave. I, as I, I talk often about leaving the nest and we, uh, us worrying about the young people in Connecticut leaving the nest, my nest was New York and I had enough of it.
0: And so you, you went, you know, you went to, you went to college. Um, and I, I think it was for, for, for business, right? For marketing. Originally,
1: actually, I was a biology major. Uh, because i didn't know what to major in when i signed up for college and then uh i switched after and then instead of taking a traditional electives uh in my first year in my freshman year i decided to i didn't think that they were i didn't think that they had much purpose my father's old school uh hispanic that would tell me that art and uh Pretty much anything that wasn't being a doctor or being a lawyer, anything in the medical field or that wasn't in the medical field or in the law field was a waste of time. So (laughs) I took a I took a business class. It was a marketing class for a professor who unfortunately passed away. And then that changed the game for me. And I I switched my major to business immediately after the second semester for the second semester. And uh, and that was it. I loaded up on classes and 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 got my bachelor's
0: degree. And so, yeah. So th- then you start, you know, you graduate from, from school a few years later, you start digital surgeons and it's uh, your, to your point. I mean, you guys have been doing that for, you know, 10 plus years at this point, digital surgeons. So obviously you've been, you've been wildly successful with that business. Tell me how you went from being a successful entrepreneur to having this unbelievable facility in New Haven called the district where like to your point you're building an ecosystem like how how did you because things are obviously going pretty well right i mean you're, you keep growing your company um you work with some amazing clients i mean i've looked at some of the uh some of the people you have on your website that you've worked with i mean it's from big companies to the entertainment industry all all you know really all over the map how did you end up making that pivot and saying you know what it's time to do something else that's a great question it was all part
1: of the it was all part of the journey so across that 11 years as i started off in the, if you remember the story i started talking initially that i was involved in the chamber so i went to the chamber of commerce to try and get business because i didn't have a network and i wanted to network my way th- i wanted to network my way into new haven and i wanted to meet people and that led down this that led down part of this path i think the other part of the path was just having Part of the reason why i we went with an agency model and a consultancy a consultancy type of a model was because of i I have severe business a d d and I just love to learn about different types of businesses different types of problems different types of and it could it, and when i say it could be government it could be anything I just have this incredible appetite to learn about everything and I think by being in those posi- in the position that I was in digital surgeons. I I just got so much exposure to every type of company that you could think of because we really start we were really generalists and as a result of being or someone coined I heard someone coined at one time an expert generalist as a result of being an expert generalist we you just learn cross functional thinking it naturally before people talked about cross functional or cross discipline thinking or design thinking it just was something that. I ha- we had an appetite for both Pete and I, especially myself and the desire for being an entrepreneur, the, the love of the journey, like the journey of being an entrepreneur is something that I talk about a lot. I just have this insatiable appetite for that as well. I love to listen to stories from old timers. I love to talk to people that are new in business. It's just something that's interesting to me. So as a result of that, we always had a desire to get into product or other businesses. And um, we actually started an app one t- at one point uh, years ago, way before people were talking about mobile, like mobile being like officially the biggest thing. We built a mobile application for an early iPhone uh, and we failed. Uh, failed in the sense of not being able to monetize. Not failed in the sense of being able to build a community. Unfortunately, we built a community in an industry uh, that really wasn't thinking about community the way that we were thinking about it. So they were a bit short-sighted. So it failed. After that, we started to invest in uh, in other people. So using our resources, using some of some of the cash that we had, we started to make bets on other entrepreneurs or other champions that we thought could could make a run for it that had great ideas that had great pedigree that that we believed that we could add fuel to their fire with and that started really sparking more of that startup love and the entrepreneurial you know just all those entrepreneurial juices that compile that with a decade plus of listening to people talk about their you know where they where they live work and play in positive and negative ways and building this repository of sort of consumer research. It's not sort of consumer research, just building up this bank of consumer research research and and always connecting those dots and filling those gaps and thinking about the solutions that we, that, that we could create. And ultimately uh, at the right time, the opportunities presented themselves. And, uh, we, next thing you know, we're, uh, in the real estate business,
0: isn't it funny how things kind of just happen, <clears throat> kind of evolve? And um, you mentioned like the, the journey of being an entrepreneur, and and I think we had talked about this when I, when at one point during one of our conversations, I was an entrepreneur at one point as well. And it's it it is it is a journey, right? I mean, you learn you learn an immense amount. There's there's highs, there's lows. You really can't script it, and you really can't. You you don't know when you start what's going to happen. So, but
1: what I, I in like, what what what. That but what in i always what in life isn't that way a friend of mine and i a good friend of mine was and i were talking about children the other day and he's thinking about having children and he's saying you know so many people i talk to just talk about how bad it is and i said I said, it's no different than, than anything else in life. I said, the, it, the journey of business is like the journey of a kid. You're going to have some children that, that keep mm-hmm. you up all night. You're going to have some, some children that sleep all night. You're going to have some children that are sick all the time. And you're going to have some children that are not sick all the time. It's, it's as, as long as things are trending up, as long as you're doing the right thing. And I believe things work themselves out in every situation. But everything is this amazing journey of ups and downs. Right. So let's let's
0: let's talk a little bit more about the district. So uh, I'm assuming many people that are going to listen to this podcast have heard of the district because if you're in Connecticut and you're into innovation and education and co-working and just this whole ecosystem of startups and entrepreneurs and you know, really how the whole innovation economy, you've heard of the district. but share with our listeners what it is. Um, like when did you when did you officially start the project and where are you in that journey of is it is it completed is it almost completed like how's it going so the so district
1: New Haven is the is the largest private early stage business campus in the in the northeast um it's r- super robust amenity rich has a diverse set of businesses already across disciplines across industry sectors um the The idea for district came up in in december of two thousand and fourteen uh The journey to get to uh to here was was about three and a half years um between uh going to the city with the idea um getting them and the state to uh to RFP the properties because it was a state owned asset it was the old bus depot uh, in in new in New Haven so it used to have about two hundred and fifty buses a day that used to drive through it um, winning the RFP was we won we officially won on july 27, two thousand fifteen uh, we were officially awarded by signing the documents for the property in march of sixteen um, we went into a remediation period where we had to knock down half of the building and, and clean it up because that was the mechanic section, which we've turned into the parking lot now and finished that up in March of 2000, roughly in March of 2017. And then from March of 2017 until the first doors opened was February, 2018. So a little bit less than a year. And we opened up uh, the first office and the, and the fitness facility. Um, the, the the mission for district was, was pretty simple. We wanted to equip businesses with space resources and opportunities to make an impact. Um, From. So I'd say 95% of what we were going to do was baked into the idea in December of 14 of 2014. Um, Today. We are. We're about 60% occupied uh, but significantly higher in terms of leased space. In fact, we're, we're teetering on any day, any week in the next 30 to 45 days. I, it, it's quite possible that we could be a hundred percent leased and, uh, And then by first quarter next year, 100% occupied because we're still built. We have to move people in, build out spaces. There's all different timing mechanisms and so on and so forth. Uh, The co-working space is a different story. That is um, only 14, 15 weeks old. That space is roughly sitting at around 150 plus members so far, which is excellent. It's of course we would love it to be doing better, but I think. Considering uh, that that it's only 14 or 15 weeks old, I think that that's pretty amazing. Um, It's got an incredible diverse group of people that that are living and working there, or I should say, working there. But although some people do live in their workspaces, (laughs) and uh, and that's where we are today. And now we're we're working on sort of the next big plans, which are to take on uh, education, training, and build out our center.
0: So before before we go there, you know, I I, I I was lucky enough to uh host our first Innovate C T meetup at your facility. And I'll tell you, uh, for all the listeners, if you haven't visited the district, I mean it, it is extremely impressive in person. I mean it's um it shocks me that how big the space was, and that's after you tore part of the building down that you guys couldn't use because that was the part that was where they did, you know, had all the uh the mechanic work. Right. So the the facility is still massive. So, um, the the sheer scale of it is is unbelievable. And, and, um, to say that you're obsessed with design, I think would be an understatement because I remember looking at every little detail is just so thought out. Um, even the like the buttons on the locks to get into different like parts of the building have like the same look and feel of everything else in the place. I mean, it really is um it's very impressive and then like the the way it's all organized and uh especially you know like when you showed me like the co-working space and all the different types of um like places you can work there and have meetings there and it it's just it's 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 unbelievable so you know kudos to you guys great job i wanted to make sure i said that cuz it really is impressive thank uh, you so much i, I, well, I really no, appreciate it, that it, and my team and my team will appreciate that it, it, it's it's um you guys can tell that you you do this the digital surgeons and, and and you and the whole, like, design, you guys do this, you know, all the time because it, it was it was really impressive, the whole brand you created. So, so you mentioned you're almost, you know, you're 60% overall full. Um, and you have, you know, Digital Surgeons is located there. You've got the co-working there. You've got the District Athletic Club, which was a beautiful, beautiful uh, facility right there, which I think you mentioned anyone who goes to the district has access to that as well. And then you have other companies that are working there as well, you know, in smaller like smaller, um, office spaces and then some larger ones. But when I went to visit you, there was a, a large open space that you are still working on. And earlier today you unveiled with, you know, the, the city and the state and the world, what you're going to be doing with that. So if you want to share with the listeners, what that large open space was and what that announcement was, you mentioned you, you, uh, came out with earlier today. I think that'd be great. Absolutely. So, uh, part of our mission
1: is space, resources, and opportunities. So uh, for the most part, district uh, sort of hits on all of those, right? Um, but resources and opportunities are, can be interchangeable for different types of people. Uh, a resource to an entrepreneur, a resource, resource to a, a general citizen uh, could be education and training, um, and support, um, a, it could also be an opportunity for a lot of people that need, you know, are changing jobs or anything like that. And obviously, they, they, for a company, uh, resources are talent, resources are uh, amenities. Um, so we thought we've always had this plan to figure out how we could solve some problems some perceived problems in the, in the region. uh, One of which was um, technology talent, specifically around software engineers. So uh, through some serendipitous type situations, uh, we were given some sponsor. We were given sponsorship dollars by uh, what initially started off as Comcast NBC universal had given us some, some, some dollars, some sponsorship dollars, and we took those dollars and we rolled them into a nonprofit called the District Innovation and Venture Center. Uh, and we applied for a 501c3, uh, and then we started to fundraise and look for other supporters, government support, uh, local support, philanthropic support, uh, corporate foundation support, and, and pretty. And we talked to everybody and told them that one of our big missions was to make Connecticut more competitive by building out uh, the, the, the talent pipeline for software engineers, full stack developers um, amongst other things. Uh, and people believed in the concept and we had done a trip over. I mean, this took place over a good year uh, or more. And through our research, we studied various different ways to train software engineers, everything from uh, talking to some of the local universities to understand what their plans were. Um, and we, 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 it started off with the universities and we started to hear about this, uh, that they were looking into non-credit programs that obviously universities give degrees and they give you credit for, uh, for education. For the education programs that you might do, for the courses you might do, Uh, but to just offer non-credit programs is something that schools are just starting to look at, some of them are just starting to do. Uh, So we went down that road with a a university and unfortunately it didn't work out. We then went down another road uh, looking into other programs that were out there for computer science or software engineering uh, around boot camps and so on, and we came ac- and what we found in our research was that it didn't make a whole lot of sense for the state of Connecticut's needs to focus on uh, on those types of programs, and that it turned out that there were some really smart people in the world, literally, because the first one we found was in Europe, um, that were treating education differently and thinking about software engineering differently and thinking about training workforce development and training very, very differently. Not just in the way, not just in the, in the methodologies and the way that they, they taught, uh, but how they charged for that education, the value they delivered, literally every aspect uh, was truly innovative to, 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 to us. And uh, through our research, we wound up partnering with a really exciting firm in San Francisco called the Holberton school uh, that was started by two. I mean, if you, I, I personally would never call myself a visionary, but these guys are, are truly brilliant visionaries. Um, this uh, one gentleman, Sylvan, and another Julian and, you know, accomplished computer science guys uh, accomplished entrepreneurs uh, that decided to go and try and solve this problem out in probably the hardest market to do so. And that was in San Francisco. And the reason why I say it's so hard is not because there's no demand for those people out there because the demand is extremely high, but because the demand is very, very high, the competition for training software engineers and feeding those companies is also extremely high. And these guys had an approach that was unique and they, they, they were they were very, very successful and we had a great conversation about bringing them to Connecticut and why Connecticut needed them and, and, and what we could do in district to support them and through a s- series of conversations and meetings and, and flights and so on and so forth, uh, they decided to come to Connecticut and we just announced that they're opening.
0: And this is just to clarify so, this is the, their second school they're going to have in the US, the one in San Francisco, and the second one will be in New Haven. Yes. So, how did you convince them that New Haven, Connecticut was the right location to open their second school? So, I think it was, I'd like to take all the credit, but I can't.
1: Connecticut convinced them in a lot of ways. I think the need was there but what we've realized through our research is it's not just the connecticut that has this problem with with a, a lack of skilled talent in software engineering it's actually a nationwide problem but we so we had the problem so check the box but they could have checked any city across the entire country and they it probably would have hit on that it probably every major every major region and they probably would have hit on that i can't say right. every city because right, right. i'm i'm sure there are cities that have you know nothing but farms and aren't Hiring computer scientists at scale, um, not that there is no technology in the agricultural world because there definitely is <laughs> um, understood so so that checked the box the, the The next thing that that checked the box for them was uh, was our thing, which was district, so they were really excited about the fact that how we viewed community so Julian, one of the founders um, of Ho- the Holburton School. Uh, He was on the, he was, he was in on the early team at Docker, uh, which is a technology company out in, in, in San Francisco, which is famously known for going from zero to a billion dollar valuation in two and a half years. Part of the reason why they were so successful is because they had built an incredible community of developers that were using their technology and Julian built that community. He was, he was integral to designing how they dealt with the developer community, uh, communicating, delivering value uh, and, 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 and fostering that, that community. And so he had a tremendous love for what we were doing. So I think that was sort of box two. So, and then the third piece was as, as they were, as I was vetting them, they began a vigorous process or a a rigorous process of vetting us, not just me, but also vetting Connecticut. So they were, they were calling all types of people. And I figured this out because people were calling me from my network and saying, Hey, did you hear about this, this woman named Pauline? She's, she works for a uh, software engineering school out in San Francisco. She, 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 you should talk to her. We told her about district because she wasn't saying what we were, she wasn't saying that they were partnering us she, with, with us. She was doing her due diligence on, on us, on district, on, on their willingness to embrace this other company from the West coast and, and to make them a part of the community. And they literally told me on the phone, this whole Burton folks told me on the phone that, Every single person was welcoming That's every goodness. single person that they talked to. And they, I'm talking about schools, universities, corporations, startup folks. Like they were, I, I couldn't believe some of the people that they had. I, I use the word infiltrated because I never, yeah. indi- I never indicated who was in my network and I don't have my LinkedIn open where you can look through it. So Understanding the, the, the ins and outs of our region was, was was actually pretty remarkable to watch it happen. I actually said I wanted to take notes on uh this particular woman's business development skills. Uh but yeah,
0: they did they did their research.
1: Incredible amount of research. And so they convinced themselves that Connecticut was the place to go as well. At the end of the day, it came down to us in one other city. Uh, a city that's actually much larger than ours. I won't mention who they were because I don't want to give any, I don't want to even start a, a fight or give anybody any credit or, or piss anyone off, but um, it came down to us. And, uh, and, you know, we put up a good fight and we got the, the support and the state supported it. And, and, the uh, and the state specifically Catherine Smith's office and the DECD, uh, you know, came down you know they came down to the wire setting up meetings meeting with the folks from San Francisco uh and I and just pulling this all together and it was enough to convince their board because they they have a very they they've raised over 30, I believe over 13 million dollars already uh from some pretty hard hard hit and heavy uh industry leaders and venture capitalists Out in San Francisco, so they needed to be convinced that New Haven was the right move for the for the first school for the first opening, and we succeeded. Which I I sort of tip my hat to Connecticut on because I I I just positioned us and what we were doing, and and
0: everyone was so welcoming and and open minded to
1: this new group coming in.
0: Well, first I want to say congratulations because this is a big deal, obviously for you personally, but for district for New Haven. For Connecticut, and and I think that's why you saw Catherine Smith and DECd jump on board because clearly they recognized the power of having the this this type of school in your type of facility and what that could do for uh, for the state. So you know, congratulations to you. Uh, this is going to be extremely exciting. You know, next few months, uh, you know, kind of leading up to the first class that starts, I believe, January 2019. Correct?
1: Yeah, that's our first cohort. That's the first cohort. So So we're accepting applications now. So tell everyone, everyone listening to this, we have one of the most incredible models for software engineer training. We are, there is a blind application process that has zero human bias whatsoever. Uh, We're testing for motivation, uh, for grit and tenacity and for problem solving skills, zero technology, projects. Small projects in the application just get progressively harder to test how motivated these, uh, the applicants are going to be to get in. We then choose these applicants. They go to school. Uh, if they're accepted, they go to this program for uh, nine and a half months of rigorous training where they learn not just software engineering and the fundamentals initially, but they learn how to interview for the biggest and baddest interviews in the country Um, the most famous one being known as the eight hour interview, uh, which is a Google thing. Uh, they, they get trained for public speaking, uh, emotional intelligence, collaboration, and so that they are coming out ready for the workforce, ready for the way that the, that the workforce actually works. And, uh, and then from there they go into an internship and the job placement numbers uh, in San Francisco, are huge 92% job placement rating, uh, with companies like Tesla, Apple, LinkedIn, Docker, Scalidity, um, Pinterest, NASA hiring these people right out of right right out of the program. In some cases, before they even finish the program.
0: Yeah, and I and I read I went I went onto their website and read about the program, and it truly is it truly is innovative how they're looking at education and. I think it's going to be really interesting to see, um, you know, how this changes changes Connecticut and and how we build talent for the the many companies in the, uh, you know, in our ecosystem, right? Whether they're a Fortune 500 company or whether they're a, a small startup or, um, or even a nonprofit. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna end with you know thanks for taking us on your journey from um, not knowing where Connecticut was and being brought to Bridgeport. With your, with your brother, right? And Not even planning on going to college there necessarily to helping change the entire landscape of our, you know, our innovation and our education and eco, you know, entrepreneurial ecosystem within the state. So um, thank you I, for I, doing uh, the same. Well, I'm, I'm not on the scale you are, but I, as I've said to many people I've met, you truly are a visionary and what you're doing is, is extremely impressive. And obviously many people have, have taken notice, which is why I think you're getting such support from all over the state, right? Not, not just nonprofits and, and, and startups, but also, you know, state resources and fortune 500 companies and large corporations as well. So, uh, but I want to say, thanks. You're doing, you're doing, you're doing awesome things for us.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And I want to thank you. And I want everybody on this podcast to know that Nick Wagner is, has an absolute tremendous heart for the state of Connecticut for innovation and, and for being uh, uh, a self-proclaimed media uh, machine for all the positive things that are happening in and around the, the, the education system and uh, around the state and the, and, and the partnerships and, and, and really is doing great things around the states as a, uh, a parent and a, uh, a corporate guy. Uh, I just have to
0: commend you and I hope everyone's listening knows that. Well, thank you. So uh, we will definitely have to check back in once the uh, school opens and you have the cohort there. Um, maybe we could even do another podcast and interview some students, right? Or maybe some of the staff that's going to be uh, helping you with this. So I think that'd be a cool follow-up, but. Um, Absolutely. And um, don't edit again. out my compliments about you. Don't, I, I Thank you. Yeah. Um, appreciate the kind words, but we will <laughs> make sure to include all the uh, the different links to you know, the district and and the whole Burton school in the, uh, in the episode details so people can go check it out themselves. So thank you again, David, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. If you would like to get involved with Innovate CT, please visit our website at www.innovatect.org. There you can find links to our social media. We currently are active on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.